Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to the club now under new management, Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, uh, with hopefully an upbeat tone for maybe a change um, <laughs> compared to recent shows, joined by someone who's also hopefully a bit more upbeat than normal, Mark Donaldson. Hello, Laurie. We gets. Oh, we're not doing that, are we? That's all you got. No, no, it's, it's, it's all I got. Hello, Laurie. How are you? In German, probably pronounced wrongly. I took French at school. It's more than still I've got. Struggling, still struggling with English. Uh, happy. Happy now. Under new management. Um, you know what? It could be the. It could be an absolute train wreck going forward, or it could be brilliant. But it's different. We're under new management. We finally got someone. Uh, it was explained at the press conference why it took long. And it's, this podcast for me is all about moving forward yeah. and looking ahead. Yeah. And it's one of the, like you say, you, you don't know how things will go. I think it, it's almost impossible to say you'll get someone in and it's going to be guaranteed success, especially at you know the level of football hearts are at, where you're not going to be talking about the biggest names. But I think on paper... It's a very good appointment. I, I, I think when all the names, the realistic names, were out there, I think he was he was certainly our top pick. And I think most people, when it became apparent that he was at least a potential candidate, seemed to be well on board with it. So obviously we don't know how it will pan out. We hope it will be very positive and the, the signs are there that you know it should be positive, but you can't guarantee that. However, I think from... A perspective of getting the best candidate available. I think we're pretty much as close as you can possibly get. You know, it, you know, re- realistically speaking. I agree. Yep. Um, who else was out there? Looking at them now, I'm glad we've got who we've got. Yes, it took mm-hmm. a while, but but these things do. <coughs> Excuse me. There's there's some messages that I want to get across um, in this podcast mm-hmm. today, and I'll, I'll I'll kind of sprinkle them throughout. But the first and most important message is to back up something that Daniel Stendhal and Anne Budge said, mainly Daniel at the press conference. doesn't matter what's gone on in the past. It's a new uh, regime for him. And, and the most important thing uh, from him is, is to back him. But he wants the fans back at Tyne Castle. He wants the season ticket holders who've paid for their ticket to actually attend. And understandably, a lot who have, have not mm-hmm. in recent weeks. He wants the sold-out signs at Tyne Castle up. It doesn't matter what's gone on before. It shouldn't be a case of, ah, I'll wait to see what he's like and then I'll decide if I go back. No, get back to Tyne Castle. If you can, whether you've got your season ticket or you don't, let's sell this place out for the first home game. Let's show him mm-hmm. that this is the place he wants to be. And let's show him, because I'm sure there were other options on the table. Now, he says he's not come to Hearts for, for the money. And, and fine, we, we take him at his value. He says the trust was a big issue. And Budge and the board put their trust in Daniel Stendhal. We have to reward him now. We have to show him the fans by selling out Tyne Castle. I understand that the, fa- the, the, the form hasn't been good. But please don't give me this, ah, I'll wait to see what it's like, then I'll decide. Go. You can't make your mind up on what you see in his first home game if you haven't been there. No point in watching sports scene or listening to the radio or reading kickback. Go. 
Make your own mind up. Don't be a sheep. In a week of this general election, where there's been all sorts of skullduggery going on, he said, she said, oh, but they did this. No, it was fake. Make your own mind up. Go to Tyne Castle. Hopefully enjoy it. Hopefully get three points. But show Daniel Stendhal what Hearts is all about. I, I think it's a very important message you're saying that as well, because we've said it ourselves recently that the big one of the big problems, not just in terms, not just the management of the team, but has been the players' confidence. You can see, you know, no matter what you think of the team, they're not a, a group of players who should be on paper joint bottom of the table, but they are. And a big problem is the lack of confidence. And I think that's not going. I don't think that'll change overnight. I hope there'll be a reaction this weekend, but there's still some work to be done. But I tell you what, you'd imagine if you're a player and you've been playing in that very difficult atmosphere and you know, and they've deserved the difficult atmosphere at Tynecastle because the fans have been on top of them the fans have been on their back and they've been playing that poorly that I, I don't blame the fans for that because if I wasn't commentating I'd be doing the same thing but it's a new regime we've got the kind of fresh start that we wanted and I think it can make a difference for those players if they run out on Saturday it's oh Christ this is what it's like when they're all behind us again is you know the 17 18,000 Hearts fans in here rather than 12 or whatever and it's not you know, 90% of them either quiet or booing or, or giving me stick, they're actually right behind me. That that can help. I think that can help the players. And that atmosphere could be important to, at least to begin with. You know, obviously if performances don't improve, we're not going to expect people to wait seven, eight, nine games and continue to be completely behind the side. But we've got to give them a chance and we've got to at least get behind them for now because I don't think it's going to be an easy fix necessarily, but... It's a good fixture to start with if we can get behind the team and if he can get things kind of up and running and hitting the ground nice and quickly. Question for you. Have you ever met anybody that can change the past? <laughs> no. No, not without being a smart arse, no. no. No, no one has because you cannot. It's time to start a new chapter. And what's happened has happened. No one's going to change that. But it's time for now to move forward Support our new manager. And he says it's not going to be a quick fix. This is a style of play that, that's interesting. And it's a style of play I like. I like watching it because it's a high tempo. It should create more chances because the theory behind the whole gig and pressing is that when you've got the ball, then you can try and get it forward quicker and try and get more attacks. But when you don't have the ball, that's the key, that you get it back quicker than you did. And there's, there's all sorts of, of messages of, of support on, on, on Twitter and various other things. And Twitter can be a poisonous bastard of a place at times. We all know that. That's fine. It's our choice when we sign up to an account. You know that you're going to get involved. That's fine. But I'm going to, um, I'm going to read out one from Maroon Tinted Spectacles. It's just been posted on, on Twitter. And it's a kind of screenshot, but with video of when Daniel Stendhal is in the changing room yesterday and Michael Smith is the first man to stand up before shaking Daniel's hand, then everyone else follows. That was posted by Gorgie Chat. Maroon Tinted Spectacles has just retweeted that, embedded it and said, your new manager comes round to shake your hand. Basic etiquette says you get on your fucking feet. Body language from some of these players stinks and I doubt it will have gone unnoticed. A few of these guys are on borrowed time. That's the opinion of Maroon Tinted Spectacles. It's fine. This is a guy. This is a guy who can see through bullshit. And these players have got an opportunity. It's basically ship up or ship out. 
or whatever the phrase is. Ship up, shape out. What? Shape up, ship out. Whatever it is, <laughs> it's just you're you're on board, you're with me, or you're out of here. And and that's the way it's got to be. Now you've got your cushy four-year contract, some of them. You've got your three-year deal or your two-year deal. You've got your end-of-season contract, and you're thinking, mm, okay, what happens next season? Whoever you are in that changing room, you've got an opportunity now. You can collect your wages and be a passenger because you'll be nowhere near the first team. But if that's the case and you're out of contract at the end of the season and you're looking for a decent deal elsewhere, that ain't a good option. It's up to the players as well, not just the fans, to get behind this coach. And he'll already know from taking his first team talk, from speaking to the players, from shaking their hands, from watching games on Scout and Hearts TV, he'll know who he fancies. And it's up to him to sort out the wheat from the chaff. And I trust him to do so. So we're going to talk Daniel Stendhal. It's a Stendhal special today on the podcast. Uh, so let's have a look at him. Um, Daniel Stendhal, so 45 years old, Frankfurt-born. Uh, striker during his playing days where he spent his entire career in his native Germany. Uh, where he started at Hamburg. Uh, longest spell though was with Hanover. Where he spent seven years between '96 and 2006 making almost 200 appearances and it was with Hanover where he would begin his managerial career. Started out in 2008 with the under-17s, moved on to the under-19s uh, before being promoted to head coach in April 2016. Um, in Hanover, which is a city in the north of Germany and actually similar size to Edinburgh, about half a million um, city population. They were fighting relegation at the time from the Bundesliga. Uh, and when Stendhal took charge, they already they were pretty much down. They were adrift at the bottom. But he did get an immediate reaction from his side. Uh, they'd lost 13 of 14 games in the league before he took charge. Uh, his side won two, drew two, and lost two of their final six games. So they did go down, but uh, already a kind of slight upturn in fortunes. And he remained in charge the following season in the second tier, where they started positively. He was, from what all accounts say, uh, rather surprisingly sacked in March 2017. Aside were 4th, having only lost two of their previous 15 league games, and they were well in the mix for promotion, and they would end up actually finishing second and earning promotion back to the Bundesliga two months later, uh, helped largely by the foundation set by Daniel Stendhal. So record at Hanover, not, not too bad, 34 games, 17 wins, 9 draws and 8 losses, 50% win rate. Um, so... I guess looking at, the, we'll move on to his Bar- Barnsley spell in a moment, Mark, but I mean, setting the tone straight away, he's obviously kind of cut his teeth coaching with the younger uh, younger teams, which is the way, the way a lot of managers have gone to it, but, you know, looking at that, you, you wouldn't say it's too bad a run, I mean, Hanover aren't traditionally a big German side, you know, in comparison to some of the big hitters, so they've had a few spells, I think they've been in the top flight for a good 14-15 years when they went down, but he took over at a difficult time, and it's not always easy to bounce back. You know, you talk about the English Championship being competitive, but I've seen a few German teams struggle to, to find their way back up to the top flight. So I guess at that point on paper, not too bad a start from a managerial sense. Let's put a few points here. Number one, if Daniel Stendhal was an outstanding coach and a finished product, he would not be at Hearts. Mm-hmm. Agreed? Yeah. Hearts is an opportunity for Daniel Stendhal to get back down to England. He signed a two-and-a-half-year deal. 
And if he gets a really good job in England after this, whenever that is, two and a half years, less than that, more than that, if he gets a really good job down there, it's because of what he's done at Hearts. <laughs> Sign me up for that. Mm-hmm. Because the only way is up right now, <laughs> given where we are on the table, it could be down. But it would, I'd be a lot more concerned if we were still looking or we hadn't made the decision to make a change. So that's the first point. From what we've seen so far, and no one's an expert now, no Hearts fan, unless, unless you're a Barnsley season ticket holder or a Hanover season <laughs> ticket holder uh, who also claims to be a Hearts fan, then I'll bow to you and your your, your knowledge of that. But, but on the likelihood is you're not. So he's a potential. That's what, that's what he is. That's what most coaches are for, for teams like Hearts. You've got a choice. You can go for your... Your usual names, the usual suspects who were named and linked with hearts and some were interviewed, or you can go down a different route. Now, that different route is a gamble at times, but you're, you're trying someone who has had a decent track record, but the players seem to like him so far. The fans seem to like him. Now, I, it, it's funny because am I buying 100% into Daniel Stendhal? Yes, I am, because I don't have a choice. And neither does any other Hearts fan. I said right at the off, however long it takes, I put my trust in the Hearts board, whether it's Anne Budge who makes the final decision, which it was, or, or everyone who's come up with this, because I don't have a choice. That is the custodian of the football club right now, and we have to back her. And I'm, I'm all in on this. I'm all in on it. I like it. It's not like it's totally left field. When we looked through the candidates... Initially, when, when things were going really bad, I said maybe Robbo till the end of the season. Obviously, that didn't turn out. And, I, and I'm happy the way that things are, are, are kind of turning out. I then said Jack Ross. And I'll stand by that. I think Jack Ross at the time was probably a better fit for Hearts than Hibbs. And to an extent, Daniel Stendhal is maybe a better fit for Hibbs than he is for Hearts. Just the way that we've kind of been playing over the last few years. But right now, would I swap it? No, I wouldn't. They've got Jack Ross, and we've got Daniel Stendhal. And the other thing I like, and it's ship up or ship... No, what the... Jesus, I had it. Shape up or ship out. I've got it. That's what it is. <laughs> Shape up or ship out. And if you ship out, then it's Ovida's aim pet. The other thing I like is he's got a really strong scarf above the head motion. It's sturdy. It's like, it's like a handshake. When you shake hands with someone, if you've got a limp wrist... Don't trust that fucker. He's got <laughs> he's got proper strong wrists. That's when Phil handed him the scarf at the airport um, with international arrivals too in the background. Strong wrists, good scarf raising. I trust this guy. He um, took a season out of the game after being relieved of duties at Hanover and was a bit of a left field appointment for Barnsley in June 2018 after the Tykes had been relegated from the English Championship. Uh, despite Sunderland being heavy favourites to go up, Barnsley finished six points above them in second place and returned to the um, to the championship, playing an aggressive, pressing and attacking style of football that endeared him uh, to the Barnsley fans. But after a d- disappointing start to the new season, with one win in 11, he was relieved of his duties in October. It was a decision, though, that didn't go down well with the Barnsley fans, there was a lot of criticism aimed at the Barnsley board for, I guess, maybe being slightly knee-jerk and also not allowing the German to strengthen more 
in the summer. Uh, record at Barnsley, uh, 66 games, 31 wins, 18 draws, 17 losses, 47% win rate. Uh, interesting, though, to, to look at what people said about Stendhal as well, especially in relation to his time at Barnsley. So the Barnsley CEO, um, this is before um, any problems in being sacked, stated, uh, we've identified that the counter press has been used by the most successful teams in the world and Daniel is one of the best coaches at doing that. We identified him as a candidate as he's a coach that has a style of play that matches the mentality of club and town. It's attacking with flair and high intensity designed to press the opposition. As well as the style, Daniel has the philosophy of using and developing younger players which fits perfectly in our model too. So I mean, looking at that and reading that, Mark, you could easily, uh, you know, replace the Barnsley side of it with the Hart side of it. And I'd say that that's the type of thing the fans want to hear. And the younger side, you know, developing younger players fits in well with the the philosophy or the supposed philosophy at Tynecastle also. Yeah, and it's an opportunity for a lot of players. It's an opportunity for players who have been on the outside looking in. It's an opportunity for for guys even who aren't at the football club, the low knees, to impress. Just to <coughs> excuse me, I hate the the whole. I'll give not ninety percent, but theoretically, I'll not I'll not try my best. Just going through the motions. If this isn't a wake up call for for everyone who's contracted to Hearts right yeah. now, it's it, it, it's a clean slate. It's an opportunity, and I think it'll, a couple of things will be really interesting. One, his first team selection. Because I don't know how uh, or who he'll be taking advice from. I assume Austin McPhee will be one of them. And it looks like Austin McPhee will be staying at the football club, um, according to, to Anne Budge in that press conference, from, from what we can kind of take to it. Because she was talking about he's going to have a job going forward. Certainly recruitment will be part of that. Um, but his first, his first team selection will be interesting to an extent. But I think team selections four, five, and six, for example will be more interesting because he'll have learned a lot more um, from the first few games. Because right now, he'll, he'll have an idea, but if I'm going into a new club and there's people already there, I'm going to ask them. I'm going to say, look, what, what's happened? Um, I'll have watched games, but his first team selection will be interesting. But t- team selections later on, at the start of next year, for example, or the, the end of December, those are the ones to pay particular attention to. And I think it'll become pretty clear who he fancies, and who he doesn't. After the sacking, Andy Giddings, who's BBC Radio Sheffield sports editor, said, Many fans would blame the club's recruitment policy, not the head coach, for the circumstances they find them in, and Reds fans are angered that a popular promotion-winning manager has left at a relatively early stage of the season. The use of a fairly brutal statement hasn't gone down well either. Barnsley is a moneyball spreadsheet model for finding players. Not all of them are going to work and trying to make the ones that do arrive um, work in a harder division than League One was always going to be tough. Uh, Barnsley supporters trust after the sacking said um, they'd like to go on record thanking Daniel for not only gaining promotion from League One in his first season in charge and first season in England, but for immersing himself in the town, the value it holds and the football club. We gained promotion to the championship last season playing wonderful attacking football combined with a sense of togetherness that brought some fantastic memories for many supporters. Whilst we don't want to challenge the club right now on the reasons for Daniel's departure, we do ask they consider a further statement this afternoon to enlighten the supporters of the current situation, blah, 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 blah. Um, We wish Daniel great success in the future and we'll always consider him to be one of our own. 
Um, Barnsley fanzine, eye up and down, uh, said last season our football was a joy to watch. He really got the players working together and they seemed to really enjoy their football. Daniel is a real character. He kicks every ball from the touchline and speaks his mind. He looks after his players and in return he just wants 100% effort. Anyone who slacks will find themselves on the bench. And finally, uh, Hibs defender Adam Jackson, who played uh, under Stendhal at Barnsley, says from week one uh, when he arrived, it was all about the new philosophy and the way they want to play. And that um, last season didn't matter. That's the season they got relegated. Of course, we all bought into it straight away in preseason and we have taken that into our league games. So I guess straight away, the positives, the big thing to look at there are that um, there should be no slacking under Daniel Stendhal, mm-hmm. that he's going to want to instill a togetherness and, I guess, a unity from the start, uh, play some attacking energetic football and go back to the diggers after the games and get pissed with everyone. <laughs> to get to the diggers, you have to go buy Tynecastle Arms so he could get pissed in there. and then crawl, kind of, crawl, yeah. Yeah, or get an Uber. <laughs> get an Uber up, up to diggers after that. <laughs> I, I, I love... But look, different people do different things uh, when a new manager is appointed or when a new manager or when a manager is linked with a position. I love kind of doing a, a, a deep dig and seeing what I can come up with. And then, then, look, then you've got some jigsaw pieces that you can try and make into a puzzle. So here's my, here's my take on this, having done a little bit of deep digging. Uh, you know how I said earlier about Jack Ross and um, Daniel Stendhal and how Obviously, Hearts and Hibs now have, have both. Mm-hmm. By all accounts, I found an article in the Evening Chronicle uh, from Newcastle, the paper in Newcastle, from the 9th of October, uh, a couple of months ago, by Sean McCormick, one of their writers. He's the Sunderland guy up there. Sunderland got rid of Jack Ross. According to Sean McCormack in the Chronicle, Sunderland contacted, certainly Stendhal's representative, maybe him himself, to discuss potentially taking over at Sunderland. Now, that's according to this article. That then ties in with Barnsley saying, oh, wait a minute here, we got rid of him because we believed that he had had admiring uh, glances from, from elsewhere. So maybe it's true, maybe it isn't. But when you do deep dives, you can find some fun in games. Potentially, Sunderland wanted Daniel Stendhal to replace the man who's now at Hibs, Jack Ross, who they sacked. Now, why didn't he end up getting the job? Because the guy who came in to replace Jack Ross has has been rubbish. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. Were they even interested? According to this in the Chronicle, they were. But isn't it funny how it's it's like the degrees of separation. It, It seems miles and worlds apart. But the guy who ended up at Hibs, who used to be at Hearts and was linked with Hearts before he went to Hibs, the guy that is now at Hearts, was potentially linked to replace the guy now at Hibs, who was at Sunderland in the northeast. Funny old game, Saint. Uh, and I guess even more funny is, I guess, the person who Jack Ross replaced at Hibs was also the manager that Daniel Stendhal replaced at Barnsley. Boom! There you go. <laughs> you think we make this shit up? You think we just come on here and talk nonsense for an hour? Yeah, we do. And it's not—it's <laughs> not in advance. It's—it's just—it's weird. It's weird. And I read an article. That's why I mentioned it earlier. I read an article saying 
given the way in his style of football and the way that they, <laughs> the so-called way that those who turn up at the least San Siro every week um, wish to play, that maybe Daniel Stendhal was a better option for for Hibernian and, and, and Jack Ross was a better option for Hearts. Happy with what we've got now. So, Daniel Stendhal, this is a Tuesday recording, so this is his official first day at the club. So we've had a, a Hearts TV interview and he's done his big first press conference, which was uh, broadcast on Sky Sports, and you can get it on the Hearts website as well. So, interesting times. So we're looking at Daniel Stendhal, two and a half year deal, uh, given to him, we believe he'll be taking at least one assistant with him. Although, when asked about that, you get the impression that that's not completely decided yet. Um, so, looking at the two, the two interviews, the Hearts interview was just a short seven-minute one. Um, interesting, though, what he focused on. Now, you mentioned this already, Mark, because he did talk about it briefly in the big press conference as well. Um, he mentioned trust as a big thing. Um, obviously, he and Anne had had some long discussions and he said maybe the most important thing for him with the next job was trust with whoever's, obviously, the owner, CEO, whoever is in charge of, of him, basically his boss. And um, it's interesting he mentioned that because I guess he can read into that a little bit, certainly about his last spell. And I don't know much about the Barnsley situation. All I know is reading... From what people have said online, Barnsley fans have said on their forums, they don't seem to trust their board. Uh, I've not sat and delved into it too much, but it's interesting that he, he mentioned that a few times. So he was looking, you, you maybe feel, you get the impression, you can only take people on their word, I suppose, that the big thing for him in his next job was that he was going to be given, I guess, the proper support and time and for want of a better word, not get shafted by those above him. I don't, from what I've read, and not being an expert, I'm not sure I trust those in charge at Barnsley. This is a, this is a rare one. Uh, you're fired. Oh, uh, we we want money because you're taking a new job. Um, let let's work this one out. Pochettino, okay, left Spurs. They paid him twelve and a half million severance package. Some severance pay gets paid up in installments. Others gets paid up in a lump sum. Not sure what it was by Pochettino. Might might be either. Um, but he's basically, according to so-called experts, if he takes another Premier League job, he's going to pay that money back. So it, it's, a, it's a severance pay with a clause. You can have your money, but you're not allowed back in the Premier League this season or the season that you end up um, leaving this, this football club. Fair. That, that's fine. What Barnsley are claiming is is weird. I mean, over here, there's there's kind of rights issues that are, are attached to um, yeah, <laughs> certain, seen, certain people. Like, that, yeah. yeah, I mean, Gronkowski is an interesting one because the Patriots still have his rights to, if he does come back, they would have first dibs on him because he retired from football um, when he was a Patriots player. So this is different, though. And this is what I don't understand. This is what I'm not sure what what, what they're trying to do. Um, maybe they're trying to piss in the wind. And I kind of, well, you know what? You buy a lottery ticket, at times you get lucky. They claim they've got a case. Hearts say they don't. From from all the whole business dealings and, and kind of knowledge of and, and how it kind of works, that I know, and I don't know that much, but I know enough 
of someone who gets fired, a football manager who gets fired. The only thing that I could think of Barnsley complaining about is that if Daniel Stendhal is due money from them and he hasn't yet been paid, their argument would be, if you want that money, let Hearts pay you it because you've now got another job. And, and that's, that's pretty common in business practice, certainly in sport as well. You'll get your severance pay, and then if you take another job, you lose it. Now, here at ESPN, um, 75%, sadly, of our Spanish-speaking football uh, department were made redundant. Um, those under contract, like, for example, on-air guys, uh, we have contracts that will be paid up if we leave before then assuming we don't do anything wrong. But if we take another job in the process before we've been paid up, then we forfeit the, forfeit the, the rest of the mm-hmm. contract. Um, so that can be the only thing that there's a gripe about. And if Stendhal's coming out in the press conference saying it's not about money, then I don't see what the issue is here. I don't see how Barnsley can claim having sacked a guy, unless it's a rights issue, and then you're getting into the, the contractual lawyers um, going through a contract. That's way above anybody's pay grade here. Yeah, so I don't yeah. understand what, what they're claiming for here. I don't know. I mean, we're obviously working on on tidbits of information. Uh, and we don't know the, the full details and what's going on behind the scenes. I guess what I would say on it, as much as Anne Budge has obviously received criticism, and you know some of it is justified, we've talked about it before, however... She doesn't strike me as someone who would do anything underhand or oh God, or, no. or, or or do anything business wise that without being pretty confident that she or, or obviously her business was in the right. So given what Barnsley fans and I know they've maybe slightly changed their tune given something that Barnsley have accused stated today and I don't want to get into that because we really don't know the full picture, but given how much criticism I read from Barnsley fans about don't trust this board or we, they didn't really like the board, and given what we kind of un, we know from of Anne Budge, I, I would certainly lean towards trusting that Anne and Hearts are in the right here. There might, well be, yeah. there might well be something that comes out that something has to be agreed in court legally. I don't know. Who knows? But I'm pretty confident that we are we're fine on that side of things. Let, let, let me put it this way, Laurie. There have been times during Anne Budge's tenure in charge of the football club when I would have liked a football person mm-hmm. in charge of the football club. Now, I'm delighted that we have a business person in charge of the football club to deal with this business issue. And what did Anne do in charge of the football club when there were football matters? She delegated. It might not have been to our choice, mm-hmm. um, looking back now in, in Craig Levine, but she's a smart woman. She's, she, she doesn't suffer fools gladly. Uh, various people can testify to that. And if she doesn't know something, she'll do her, her research and she'll find someone or she'll take the ear of someone who does know, like she did for football aspects. This, for business, behind her all the way. Um, looking at the interviews uh, and what else came out, in the Hearts TV interview, he, interview, he mentioned he'd been watching recent Hearts games and he'd noticed players being low in confidence. And then 
in the press conference, he stated he'd seen the last three matches, which, which were... <laughs> With commentary from? Uh, well, probably me. Um, depending, mm. Maybe he got Rangers TV, I don't know. Um, but mm. interestingly, I was, I was more chuckling at the fact. So he saw 5-0 at Ibrox. He would have seen the 1-1 draw with, with Livy and the 1-0 defeat away to Motherwell. Now, um, he obviously wasn't scared off or not scared off enough. He's still taking the job. What's the big thing he's going to have taken from those three games, Mark? This is what I think he'll have taken from those three games. That those he feels were shirking or slacking, he will give a chance to. He will give a chance to absolutely everyone. You can't make your mind up on someone from, from watching games. But I would suggest they would be on a shorter leash than others who he looked at and thought, yeah, you'll, you'll do for me or I can see something there. But I think he seems to be the type of person, and having looked at quotes from Barnsley players and even gone digging further back and, and gone through Google Translate for, for post-match quotes from Hanover players, I think he's the type of guy who would relish the challenge of getting someone's confidence back, um, telling them that they're a good player, even though they haven't showed it of late, but also someone who won't allow anyone to take the piss in that he'll know what they've produced and he'll say to them, look, this isn't good enough. You're better than that. The whole softly, softly approach to an extent, but that will come with an expiry date and that will come with a performance in the first game or the second game or the third game where you'll only get so many opportunities. If you fluffed your line so far, you're fortunate in that there's a new casting director in the house. But that casting director's here to stay now, and they'll know, and they'll take no bullshit. So your time starts now, and I don't think it's a bad thing that he'll have watched the last three games. I think he'll do his best to restore confidence among all players, but he'll know from watching those three games who's on a shorter leash and who he can trust. Yeah, he mentioned in the press conference uh, looking to play more on the front foot, playing with more confidence, and I guess being more entertaining, which will be, I guess, music to the ears of Hearts fans. But just how will he go about that? So I thought it'd be interesting, Mark. So we look, apparently he likes to play a 4-2-3-1 or potentially a 4-4-2. We know what kind of style he wants to play. So um, looking at what he has available to him. So his first game will be St. Johnson on Saturday. So a big game because Hearts are going to go into this game joint bottom of the table. And St. Johnson are one of those sides they're down there with. Um Looking at the team, now, we can't expect miracles straight away, but he is going to, by the sounds of things, he's going to want to instill his philosophy on the team pretty much from the off. Yep. So, I want to, I, I drew a quick team together, obviously, based on who we have available at the moment. Obviously, we still have some players out injured and we'll have uh, Jake Mulraney suspended. So, I think four two three one is you would think what you would go with given we've played a similar, that kind of system quite a lot recently, and it's apparently the system he likes to, he, he leans towards. So I've gone with Pereira and goals, although you, you, you could change that up, but I think he's still the best of the options we have. I've gone with the back four of, now this, this is where it could be interesting, I've got Brandon at right back. Now I'm keeping Brandon in there because he's received a lot of criticism, but again, I think he's one of the ones who's been standing up and has actually been... You, you can see the effort and he's wanting to get involved a lot more. I think 
it's maybe not saying much because we've been very poor recently, but he's been one of the better players. And I would say the key thing from him, we saw it against Motherwell in spells, he was pressing and he was aggressive and he was getting into the challenges and he was getting Hearts the ball back and getting them up the park at times. Um, so for all his maybe flaws that we have seen at times as well, I think having Brandon in there would be a good option. And what it would also do for me is put Smith into centre-back, which is where I think he's actually been best for Hearts this season. Someone who can play out from the back, takes the ball out, um, and have him alongside Halkett, who does like that as well. He's still quite athletic, still quite young, and can take the ball out of defence. Left-back, Hickey's been up against it a bit recently, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's given a a rest almost, maybe a mental rest as opposed to a physical one, but I'd have him in there because, again, he's got a lot of energy and I think that fits in with how things are. Um, the twos holding midfielders is where it gets maybe a little trickier. I think you have to have Glenn Whelan in there. I know he's older and maybe doesn't have the legs of some of his teammates, but he's arguably still one of our better footballers. Uh, but what I'd probably have is maybe have Irving in there alongside him to offer a little bit more energy. still quite young. Uh, my attacking three, this is where we might differ if you're going to pick a team as well, Mark, would be Meshino, Claire Walker. Um, Meshino, because I don't know why Meshino has not been getting more of a game, to be honest. He, whenever he comes on, he seems to add a, a lot, a bit more energy, a bit more spark than anyone else. Um, Claire, because I still think deep down there might be a player in there, and he does have the energy when he's on his game, which isn't all often, but like I'd like to think that maybe the new manager can, can bring out the the real Sean Clare, um, and Jamie Walker. I, I wouldn't necessarily maybe gone with all three if all our players were available right now, and I probably would have had Mulraney in there if he wasn't, if he hadn't just been sent off. But I think those are the best three we can pick from there. Up front, Naismith, if he's if he can play, I know he missed out. I know he's struggling a little bit, so I have no idea right now if he's going to be available or not. If he was, I'd have him because again, he likes he's got the energy. He likes to press and get in players' faces, which fits in with the whole new philosophy that we're going to have under Stendhal. If it's not Naismith, I'd have Aidan Kina because I don't think we've seen enough from Stephen McLean or Uchik Piazu recently. Um, and he's got a lot more energy. And I think he deserves a chance. If, if Naismith's out, Uche, Stephen McLean, just, just not enough. Stephen McLean, I think he puts in a shift at times, but... At the moment, I think we did a bit more. So that would be mine. So 4-2-3-1, Pereira goals, Brandon Smith, Halkett Hickey, Whelan Irving sitting, Meshino Claire Walker, and Naismith if he's available, or Kina if not, in attack. Um, I guess the big things in there is I'm not, I don't have Christoph Berra. Maybe Daniel Stendhal won't want to make a, a call like that straight away and put his club captain on the bench. But he's struggled a lot recently, Berra, and I think if, if we are changing that philosophy, I think he's seriously going to struggle to fit in with that um, so I guess that's the big call in that team I don't know what you think of that or if you would change something or or, or what yeah I mean it, it's fine I'm not, I'm not going to pick a team because I don't know enough right now about what's going on I mean, sure, you've, you've sure. seen the games you, you've been there I don't know who's who's going to be fit and who's not but I want to make I want to make some points mm-hmm. uh, based on that and based on other things um, the Glenn Whelan um chat that you just had and the mention. I think Glenn Whelan is someone that Daniel Stendhal will rely upon yeah. as a, a kind of midfield general, as an on the field general. Now you didn't have you didn't have Berra in that team. And and that's fine. I mean we'll, I I'd be surprised if he didn't play because he's a captain and 
and I think he, he'll be the one who'll be in discussions with Stendhal this week as the club captain, uh, who'll try and get to know the manager. So I think the reliance there will mean that he starts. But Daniel Stendhal got promotion with, with Barnsley with, with a, a younger squad. He did very well to get promotion ahead of Jack Ross and uh, Sunderland in second place. Uh, naughty, naughty. Uh, but he, he went with a more experienced, uh, inexperienced squad last year because he didn't really have an option. And it was when he tried to, to add some experience and players to his squad, he ended up actually losing some of his best players, yeah. Daniel Stendhal, in, in the summer. So I think he's well aware that you kind of need experience on the field. Uh, we spoke about this last week in the, the podcast that we've both been listening to and how a lot of the older-headed managers, the older managers, um, like that midfield general or the on-the-field general. So I think Whelan will be someone who will be important for, for Daniel Stendhal. Um, some other things. Jake Mulraney. When brains were given out, <laughs> was he... Uh, was he away in the toilet? Was he at the back of the queue? How stupid do you have to be to have an inability to channel your frustration, knowing fine well that the likelihood is that there'll be a new manager in charge and you'll be suspended for his first game? Idiot. Just stupid. Secondly, five of Daniel's first six games will be at home. Previously, B, D, S, before Daniel Stendhal, I'd said that I'd prefer Hearts to play away from home because I didn't think we had players that could cope with getting verbal abuse, and rightly so, because the way they were playing at Tynecastle. But now, if I think it's the perfect start for him. Yeah. I think this is a horrible game, um, if it was Austin McPhee or still Craig Levine. I think it's the perfect game now. So to have five or six... Um, of his first six at home. The players previously probably preferred to play away from home because they weren't getting as much stick um, from, from lesser numbers. Now, no hiding place, but I think it'll be a, like what Rangers tried to do to Celtic at Hamden on Sunday, right in their face from the start. Um, and, and I'd like to see everyone getting a chance. That's my, my third point. Over the next few weeks, You've spoken about Aidan Keita. That's an interesting shout. We'll have Connor Washington to come back. Yeah. We'll have John Suter to come back uh, probably after the winter break. Um, so there's, there's players to come back. Peter Haring is a, is another one. And I think Peter Haring is, is someone who eventually, uh, they'll obviously be able to converse very easily. Peter Haring and, and Daniel Stendel. I, I think, I, I love Peter Haring anyway. I, I think he could be the main man going forward when he's fit again because his style of football is the style of football you require for gegen pressing. And I think that could be maybe a match made in heaven is, is pushing the boat out a little bit too much. But I think there's a lot to work with. But I'd like to see opportunities given to all. And if they win the first game, then it's going to be patience. You're not, you're not going to make changes yeah. if they beat St. Johnston. Um, but he's got, to, he's got to have a look at everyone in the squad, how they handle it, playing under this new tempo. So, yeah, there's, there's a few points. I don't want to make a, a team selection for the weekend. I'm glad you did. But those are some of the, the, the kind of points that I wanted to make. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a line-up here. Yes. Tell me what the significance is. McLaughlin, Brandon, Smith, Berra, Randall, Bwabin, Cochran, Cowie, Callahan, Milankovic, Lafferty. 
was that the lineup the last team the last Hearts team to beat St Johnston? No, but it, it might. <laughs> um, good guess though. It was the lineup when Hearts played Celtic at Tynecastle on the seventeenth of December, twenty seventeen. They won that game. Is that the four nil? Four nil. They yep. will. They will mm-hmm. play Celtic um, almost two years to the day, eighteenth of December, um, which is next week. So obviously, his first game is St Johnston. Interesting. We have Celtic after that. And the interesting thing about that game, not not really anything to do with the date or anything like that, was more the fact that when you're thinking about the pressing, I know the Gagan pressing, or as um, as Daniel Stendhal said in his interview, what they call counter pressing um, in England. I would say that's the. T- I'm trying to think of times that I've seen Hearts play that and play it well, and that game just stands out instantly because Celtic, obviously under Brendan Rodgers, have that play out from the back. They'll always want to keep possession and patiently move the ball on the deck from the goalkeeper to defence and up the field. And we absolutely done them that afternoon. We absolutely done them from start to finish. We just pressed them into corners right back, and we forced error after error, got the ball back, and we played a high tempo and an attacking style of football under Craig Levine as well, crazily enough. But you look at that team, and the interesting thing I think about looking at the team is you don't look at that team and go, wow, God, I wish we had that lineup again. I mean, Jamie Brandon's still here, Michael Smith, Christoph Berra, Harry Cochran, although he's out on loan. Um, so a few of the players still here. But the players that we don't have anymore, I mean, John McLaughlin, who's a goalkeeper, he was a good keeper, but largely not part of the, the result that day. It was actually quite quiet that afternoon surprisingly against Celtic but you look at the other ones Corner Randall would you have him back? Nope No Prince Blabin did an okay job I thought he looked kind of average in the in the top flight a, a solid midfielder but he certainly wouldn't improve anything we have um, Don Cowie a good pro I like Don Cowie a lot but I think it was time for him to move on when he went back to Ross County did a job but I don't think he'd improve us Ross Callahan really wasn't up to the standard that we needed. And again, a kind of average top flight sort of player, maybe bottom half kind of premiership player. I guess with um, Milankovic and Lafferty, you could argue that they could improve things. But you look at that 11, you don't go, oh, wow, I'd, I'd want to go back there and, and get that team back. And apart from anything, Cole Stockton and, and Rafa Jelak came off the bench. So I think the thing about about this, the whole style, and a lot of people don't like, a lot of people say it's a bit hipster, you know, gig and pressing, oh, it's just, it's been around forever, it's just a way of saying, you know, high press, get the ball back, and that is true to a degree, but I think the, the important thing about it is it's not necessarily about all these individuals, it's about getting that team together, and it's about organisation, and that's what Craig Levine and Hearts had spot on that day, it wasn't about the fact that we had some really good players, we had some okay players in there, but it was about that day, Everyone was so well drilled and so well organised that we pressed as a team. And that's the important thing. It's not even necessarily about everyone having a lot of pace or a lot of stamina. It's obviously important, but it's the organisation is the main thing, I think, is getting everyone on the same page and pressing together. I'm looking at Hart's form at home prior to that game against Celtic. And, and we were on a decent run, uh, unbeaten at home, Partick, Ross County, Hamilton that we drew Clean sheet against Motherwell, clean sheet against Dundee, clean sheet then against Celtic. Um, then we went on to draw against Hibs, beat Hibs, draw against Motherwell, beat St. Johnston League and Cup, draw with Kilmarnock. So it, it was a run at home that it had momentum. 
the the next team to to beat Hearts at home were Celtic in the second game um, that Hearts played them that season at home, and they were unbeaten in, in in every other game between that first game that I mentioned against Partick. So it, it, it's different. It was a run that was that was that was ongoing, and everything just came came together. I remember what my mum and dad were over on on vacation for that game <laughs> and we watched your commentary and and we're, we're typical hearts fans it's expect the worst and usually get it delivered to us and that was i remember that game um vividly because even at 4-0 <laughs> there was still part of me and my mum was like oh it's not over yet son it's not over <laughs> we're 4-0 up and then even she was like yeah i think so when we got the fourth goal um, I think we could we could breathe a little bit easier, but it was a game in which we did press them. We didn't give them any time. Now you could argue we 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 rode our luck a little bit in that game, um, but three 0 up after forty eight minutes, that was a good time to get the goal. Milinkovic getting the third goal was a good time, but you could argue, did we have more chances in that game than Rangers had against Celtic on Sunday? <laughs> Certainly not. And no. <laughs> prob- no, probably not. Ra- Rangers could have been three or four up in that game. A combination of poor finishing and outstanding goalkeeping. But I think there are similarities in, in, in those two games. The way that Rangers played Celtic, knowing fine well that if they stood off them, Celtic would probably play through them and, 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 and destroy them. Now, they had Lewis Morgan in attack because Edward wasn't fit. Um, but f- from a Hearts perspective, that game against Celtic, we did we did something pretty similar. Um, we had a, a, a decent enough side. It, it wasn't groundbreaking or anything like that. Um, but we got into them. We stopped them playing. They got a shock. We have to do something similar. And I think it's a free hit for us, this game against Celtic. Yeah. St. Johnston, we kind of have to win that one. And I think we will. Um, but but Cel- Celtic, it doesn't really matter as far as not getting um, the three points is concerned because we don't expect it. But I think you can underestimate how much momentum you would get going into that game if you were to beat St. Johnston because it, it wouldn't quite be the wave yet, the, the kind of wave of, of momentum that you get yeah. when you're four or five or six games on. I mean, like Liverpool have got right now. But I think the confidence right now is the one thing and, and Stevie Nichol and I were doing a piece on ESPN FC the other day, and we were we were talking about um, the, the comparisons between. He was in in the Liverpool squad. He played for Liverpool the last time they won the league um, in in eighty nine ninety, and he was talking about. He said we went into games. It wasn't even defeat. Never even crossed our mind. It was like how many are we going to win by? He just you were on autopilot. You knew it. But then as his career wound down, he was in Liverpool teams that just couldn't couldn't get a win. Players weren't confident. He said, in his opinion, any player, there's a 50% difference in ability or performance. Sorry, not ability. There's a 50% difference in performance if you're confident and you're flying or if you're just going through the motion. Can you imagine not even 50% of an improvement to these Hearts players right now? If they just take little steps and, and build it up slowly but surely, with a win against St. Johnson. And a defeat to Celtic, it wouldn't be the end of the world, and it shouldn't harm things. But if we can get... I, I, I'd sign up right now for three points from these next two games. Yeah, and I think you made a good point. He has got... 
you mentioned the first six games, including the the Airdrie game after the break. But certainly before the break, you want to build a bit of momentum. And, and as Stendhal said in his interviews, um, start pushing hearts up the table. That's because people have kept asking, you know, what's what's going to be success? What are your targets? And he very sensibly said, well, right now it's about just moving up the table. We're not going to talk about where we're going to aim next season or down the line, which is I think is what you've got to do because we are still in that battle right now. We're joint bottom of the table and you can't look past that. Um, so his first five games before that break, you know, you've got two of the three teams who are joint bottom with you, St. Johnson and Hamilton, you play them. And then you've got two home games before the turn of the year and it's Hibs and Aberdeen at home. And they're two good sides, you know, two challenging games, but it, it's a games you want because it's going to be an atmosphere that should take care of itself for both of those games at Tynecastle, big crowds, um, the intensity then goes with that. So I think it's an ideal run of fixtures. Um, yes. yes, we have Celtic. We have Celtic midweek. If, if you take that one out of the equation, because you're playing the team that are still the best team in the league. You know they just won the league cup, um, you know, ten trophies in a row. They are a very good side. But if you get that win against St Johnston, it's a free hit because no one's going to expect you to get anything. Um, I think the crowd will give them a bit of leeway. But even if you go into that game, see, even if you go into that game and you press Celtic and you give them a run for the money, and Hearts come out with a a defeat, a narrow defeat, but they actually give Celtic a real good run for it. I don't think people will be too bothered about that. Obviously, you want to get something out of the game, and I don't think it's that crazy to think we could, but it is a free hit. But you need, I think, you need to get that first win. I think this weekend will be key, and you're, you're spot on. If you know, if you say that next time we do this, which might be after the Celtic game next week, you have three points in the bag. Of course, you'll take that. Anything more, absolute bonus. Yeah. And then just just move on. But it shouldn't be a case of one step forward with a St. Johnston victory if we get that, and then one step back um, with a, a Celtic defeat because we we need to beat St. Johnston. Yes. We need to get him off to a, a flying start. And it, the new manager bounce is an interesting one because a lot of the time it's just players have been fed up of hearing the same voice and, and maybe they've switched off. Maybe they're not as focused. And, and it's no surprise that they're out to impress in their first game. I remember going way back, um, Joe Jordan's first game. We beat Dundee United 1-0 in 1990. I remember it because uh, there was a photo in the front of the pink with this stupid, big-headed, goppy young kid asking for Joe's autograph. And it was me. Um, and I, I, I just I just remember the game and... and I, clearly, I don't think we were in the best of form, as is normally the case when when you've got a new manager. But I was I was young and I'm I, I didn't actually do the homework um, that I was hoping to do about first results for Hearts managers. I'll I'll try and do it. I'll I'll try and do it over over the next few hours and and send you. An email. I just think it'd be interesting to see um, how they've got on mm-hmm. and. I'm not not talking. I don't want to include interim managers in this. It just it would be interesting because I remember the other end of the spectrum with Joe Jordan being at Brockville for the six 0 and and you kind of knew that, that that was the end of the end of days um, for him. Uh, Jim Jeffrey's first game in charge, I believe, was down at Derby because we were there um, supporting them three 0 down and came back to to draw three all with with Jim in the stands after that protracted move from Falkirk. So. It'll be interesting to see if, if it's better results in first game in charge. 
But if, if you were to hand pick one game for Daniel Stendel to be his first game in charge, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be picking the one that we've got, St Johnston at home. Definitely. So let's hope that we'll be talking about a win against St Johnston next week. Um, the homework we set last time, I've, I've, I've not really touched on it because I wanted to, to draw this one out a bit more. And that was um, potentially having a bit of fun, potentially serious, depending on how you want to answer it, which was looking ahead and, and where could Hearts be in a year's time or in a couple of years' time? Where, where does this move take us? It's the, the dawn of a new era and we're hoping it'll be a very positive one. So give us your, your scenarios um, with a little bit of detail, maybe a little bit of fun. You know, will, will Hearts just stave off relegation but win the cup or will they make a incredible late surge and uh, take advantage of Rangers and Celtic having a hopeless second half of the season and be the most unlikely league winners of all time? Obviously, I'm now leaning into the absolute ridiculous. Um, so yeah, give us a tweet or an email with that at scarves, uh, sorry, at around the funnel or email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk with your future scenarios. What is going to happen around Tynecastle in the coming year or, or, or years? You could look right ahead. I don't know. Could you do a Vlad and say in the next 10 years we're going to win the Champions League? Um, so yeah, have a bit of fun if you like and get in touch. And we'll maybe talk about that a bit more next time if we do have some time. Um, before we go, Mark, do you want to make any predictions for the St Johnston game? You've said already you think Hearts will win. I don't know if you want to go into anything more than that. I think we'll win, and I think we'll we'll impose ourselves early doors. Um, it'll not be the full version of Gagan pressing, because right now I'm not sure that the players are fit enough um, to, to adapt to that, because it's a different type of fitness that's required. I'm sure all the players are are, are very very fit at Tynecastle, um, but th- this is this is going to be this is going to be something different. So I, I think I think we'll try and take the game to St Johnston. I, I think we'll score in the first half. I think we'll win by a couple of goals, and I think there'll be things that Daniel Stendel will be happy with and things things that he thinks he can improve upon. But um, I'd, uh, I've seen a, a fair bit of them on sports scene um, this season. They're, they're not up to much. Uh, neither have we been, by the way. But this is a St. Johnson side that we haven't beaten away from home, by the way, since Jim Jeffries was boss. Mrovich played, Boozy, Black, Palatuelos, Kyle. This is this is a St. Johnson side that we, we have a tendency to struggle against. So I think we'll get off to a quick start. We'll win by a couple of goals. I'm just intrigued. I'm intrigued to see how they play. I'm intrigued to see how the fans... Um, get behind the team because I believe they will and I'm really intrigued to see the attendance because the final message for this would be no matter what you've got planned this weekend if it's plans that, that can be adapted, if, it, if the plans don't involve going to Tyne Castle and you normally would change them if you can adapt those plans, get to Tyne Castle let's see as few empty seats as possible because you only have one opportunity um, to play your first home game in charge under new management. Um, this one's Daniel Stendel, so get along and support him. What did you say about recent games against St Johnston? We've not beaten them away from home in the league since 2010. Aye, OK. But, but we're at home to them. I know. I'm we're just pre- saying. We're pretty good at home to them, though. We've won, like... Yeah, but the, the illustration is that they can cause us problems. OK. They've been shite at Time Castle. Yeah, just just. St. Johnston have. Yeah, five wins in a row against them at Tynecastle. Exactly. 
Okay. Exactly. Just, just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, illustrating. Just the checking the relevance. No, the, re- the relevance is they can <laughs> cause us problems. They're stuffy. Uh, at McDermott they do well Park. against the, at McDermott Park. I know the game's but at Tynecastle. But it's at Tynecastle. I know, but I had a start. I've been trying to get it in since the start, and it wasn't relevant <laughs> quite a lot of the time. And as it happens, it's not really relevant now, but I've got it, and I'm putting okay. it in, so stick it. Okay. Well, let's hope that um, our lack of away wins against St. Johnston don't, doesn't affect our home game with them um, this weekend. <laughs> I'm just being a dick now. Um, okay. Can I, have a, can, I have a, can I have a song choice for the second week in a row? Please. Uh, yeah, if you want. Or, or do you have something in mind? If um, you have something in mind, I'll I, take it. I, I don't yet, no. Why? Right. Can we please, because we're saying goodbye, can we please have the theme tune from oh, Ovi Design Pet? I knew, I, I knew you were going to say that as soon as you said uh... <laughs> But But he's, we're, we're, welcoming it. we're welcoming him. Vilcomen. We are. Not, not, not saying not, goodbye. Yeah, Vilcomen at the beginning. That's fine. Vigets, how are you? Okay. But this is the end of the podcast. We've, we've managed to use about good, five We're not German saying goodbye words. to him. We're not saying goodbye to him. Um, he, he's not allowed to leave Hearts until he has signed Collie Woodrow from Barnsley, his former striker. There you go. Okay, well, let's... Yeah, we'll, we'll play that. Why the hell not? Saves me thinking about it. Um, you can choose the title. Okay. There you go. You can choose the title. That's, that's two weeks in a row. After a little respect... Okay. Last week, which I think I've had this week, your elders. Um, <laughs> this week, I'll Vida Zane Pet to, to play us out. Okay. I'll Vida Zane to all of you. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back next time, um, hopefully, to talk about the uh, positive start to the Stendhal era at Tartan Midlothian. Until then, goodbye. Working on the-